0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Welcome to Big News Sports featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Yes, indeed. The gang is all here on a
2: dreary Thursday afternoon. Mm -hmm. You know, guys, I was born in Arkansas. I don't remember a lot of it, but then raised from about age four here in the state of Alabama. And I don't know why it surprises me anymore. But our ebb and flow of our weather, literally for 24 hours to 24 hours, it's just amazing. It was less than a week ago that it was raining sideways, and it was 47 degrees. Yesterday, as Lars put it appropriately, Chamber of Commerce Day, 76 degrees and absolutely sunny. Today, you got 60 and rainy. Lars, when you were growing up in Nebraska— did you have vast changes like that or once a season came in at state?
3: It was really one of two things. It was Alaska cold or uh, equator hot. <laughs> there was no in-between, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I remember uh, so specifically, I had a morning paper out. And um, it seemed like every morning when I would get up at 3.30, the streets would be covered in snow, right? And I had to ride my bike, go to the corner, and my hands would just be freezing cold where you got the stack of papers. You rolled the papers up, you put the rubber band on, and then you would try riding your bike on what's basically a sheet of ice and just falling constantly. It was the most miserable. <laughs> and then, and, and then, yet, uh, you became
2: it, a newspaper writer.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first job in journalism. <laughs> That's was, uh, great. Newspapers <laughs> That's in, the, great. In, the, in, the, in the freezing darkness. Uh, but in, in the summers, it felt like every day was uh, hundred and ten. And in the spring and the fall, it just seemed like they were very, very short um, and uh, kind of like it is in in Alabama. It really is that way here. Yeah. Um. Re- He's feeding my
2: question for Christian. Why would you live in Nebraska? I don't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I've been there, and I like it, and it's got some of the most down-to-earth people I've ever been around. Christian, you were born in South Carolina. Did it go from yep. 48 degrees one day to 78 the next
4: Uh, It it was very similar to uh, here in Alabama. Uh, Maybe not uh, quite as drastic, but there definitely was uh, quite the fluctuation in the weather there. So I'm a little used to it. Well, I'm not going to spend the next two hours
2: talking about the weather because nobody does anything about it anyway. I will, however, bring up the sport of the season. It is spring. It is baseball. Lars touched on this. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but the Rays won again last night. Tampa Bay has started the 23 MLB campaign, 12 and 0. Gentlemen, 13 and 0 is the best start. Brewers did it in 87. The Braves did it. Now, I remember that so finally, I was a senior at Alabama. Uh, in 82, the Braves did it. Uh, they jumped out to a 13-0 start. Uh, the Rays continue to rack up impressive numbers, except for this one. And this is quite troubling. They're averaging 17,000 people per game. Nobody's going to games, and this is the best team in baseball setting record numbers. I know you guys don't follow it as closely as I do, but does Major League Baseball step in here, Lars, and say, "Ah, you're out of here. We're going (laughs) to move you to Charlotte. We're going to move you to Tuscaloosa.
3: Boy, if they were in Charlotte, it would be a completely different vibe. I mean, I mean, Christian knows this. He's a professional athlete in Charlotte. Um, they people there just love their sports. I mean, that that I don't understand why Charlotte doesn't have a professional baseball team, frankly. Um, but yeah, I find that very troubling. Uh, but but before we get to the Charlotte question to Christian, Matt, w- was this start while not expected? Were the Rays projected to be a, a a a powerhouse team this year? Yes,
2: yes, absolutely, they were right up there with the Yankees and the Braves um, and the Padres. Uh, no question, they were projected. Now, nobody projects them to start twelve and zero. Let's not get silly here, but yeah, they were expected to to give the Yankees all the. All they could handle in the American League East. So anyway, you're you're in that neck of the woods. Uh, you
4: return, you go home. Christian, would baseball be a good fit in Charlotte? Absolutely, Matt. You know, I I look at you know obviously Carolina struggled uh, with the Panthers and, and um, their fan base is still pretty strong there. But uh, David Tepper went and you know founded the, the new uh, soccer club there. And that has just done tremendous in in Charlotte. Um, The turnouts, those games are phenomenal. Um, The spirit in the stadium is is great. Um, And again, just walking over to um, the the minor league uh, team and watching watching them play, it's right across from Bank of America Stadium, the Charlotte Knights. You know, everybody loves it. You know, it's a beautiful scene and uh, it's just a great vibe. And Charlotte, man, it's a great little city. It's one of those things where for a city, it's not... It's not got that huge, overwhelming feel. It's kind of got a small town vibe to it, even though it's a city. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of young professionals there, so I think a, a major league team would absolutely crush it in Charlotte. Um, just because I see what the Knights are able to do, I, I see what uh, you know Charlotte FC, the new football club that was started. I see what they're doing. And, yeah, I, I think you guys are totally right. I, I think Charlotte would be a, a great place to put a, a professional baseball team. But I, I wonder about this, Matt. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think this was part of the reason they added in kind of like, the uh, you know, the, hit, the pitch clock or the hit clock, whatever you call it? Um, is it yeah. trying to get more people in attendance, trying yes. to get people to kind of enjoy watching it? Because, I feel like that's part of the reason the turnouts aren't so great with baseball. Sometimes people just have this perception that, oh, it's long, it's boring, and is that, I was curious. So so you're saying, yeah, that's that's kind of why they're yes. trying to incorporate these rules. That makes sense. That's exactly why
2: they made them. They, they got to get the millennials. They got to get the youth of, of America involved in baseball. They missed a gap, though. They've missed a generation. And I don't know how that's going to play out over the next couple of decades. And I could go, go into a, a pretty d- deep rant on this because Major League Baseball, while you would look at what the NFL, with the NBA, and, and to a certain extent what the NHL is, to the north of the mason dixon line uh baseball relied on their heritage so much they didn't really have to go out and say all right let's get a little league going over here let's get a little they'd have to because it was america's pastime it's not the america's pastime anymore would both of you agree that the national football
3: league is absolutely
2: look how the nfl markets themselves I mean, it's just incredible, and baseball has failed miserably at that. I think they've recognized it, but I'm afraid they're going to be running second and third place, uh, at least in my lifetime, because of, and part of it, Christian, you nailed it, because it's taken three hours and 15 minutes to go to a baseball game. It's just, that's too long, and the game Uh, game was based on a two-hour and 15-minute game back in the 1900s.
4: Yeah, I'll say too. I think you know the the younger generations, like my generation, our attention spans just aren't um, what they used to be. You know, a lot of people are just they they want that instant satisfaction, that instant gratification. So it's hard for them just to sit there. I think the reason I like baseball is because. Um, I don't mind that it takes forever because I don't feel like I have to fully lock in. I don't feel like I'm going to miss anything by looking down or talking and socializing. I kind of appreciate that about it. It's a little bit different versus you know football or basketball. I feel like you kind of have to keep all your focus on there, or you might miss a huge moment. I like baseball. Kind of, you can. It's a little more relaxed, and I I actually appreciate that about baseball. At least going to the games in person.
3: And and Matt, I actually do have a theory as to why the crowds have been so small at at Tampa. And and it's been an ongoing issue, I mean, really since the the birth of the franchise. And uh, as as they say in real estate, location, location, location. (laughs) Seriously, if you put a compass point on Tropicana Field and you draw a circle with a 30-mile radius... You know what you're gonna find? Ogden. I don't know. Water.
2: Oh, on half of it, you're right. <laughs> no, water. And and I was so, going inland, but
3: yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, even but if you go, but here's it's you go inland. You know what you're gonna find? Bumper Be, to bumper traffic. I mean, nightmare. traffic. People. Nightmare. And people tra- like me. <laughs> no, but I. I I lived with this traffic, right, when I was writing uh, Season in the Sun, when I uh, was down in Tampa constantly. And, uh, I mean, it, it's like if you are on different interstates around Tampa, just imagine, you know, I-85 through downtown Atlanta at rush hour, and that's what it is. Really? So I, I think a lot of people are just deterred because – everybody's coming from essentially the North, right? because right. and so it's it's just it's difficult to get to. And plus Tropicana field is is somewhat antiquated. Uh, it, it's certainly not up to par of, of, of the majority of major league stadiums. I mean, it's, you know, it's air conditioned. I guess that's good, right? Have you ever uh,
2: seen it, it, been around it, been in it? It's yeah, really a piece of you-know-what.
3: I've driven right by it, yeah, yeah, yeah many of it. times.
2: Yeah. It's, it's not a good-looking stadium. It wasn't when they first built it. And if you drive by it, it looks like half of it's fallen into the Gulf of Mexico. It's a crazy <laughs> stadium. And I don't think the fan base around there is proven worthy of in it. You know, you go a little bit further to the south and uh, to the east, Miami doesn't do very well with the Marlins either. All right, uh, Lars, you got this breaking NFL news? Y'all got this about Josh Harris buying the commanders?
3: Uh, no, go ahead.
2: Yeah, he bought out Dan Snyder, which uh, I think there are a lot of people in the NFL, including a few owners, that are celebrating that move. But, um, Joe, would you say $6 billion? Six billion dollars
4: for the commanders. Of course, that is that, that on the. Is, uh, I was going to say, is that the same group, Matt? The uh, the I think because there was a lot of big names that were kind of joining yeah. in on trying to bid on them. So but okay. you said it sold to someone else, though. Uh,
2: it says Josh Harris has reached an agreement to buy the commanders for six billion dollars. Dan Snyder okay. and the Harris Group, which includes billionaire Mitchell Ray Rails, are hoping to. Execute the contract the coming days. That's all I've oh. got. This is what Joe Gaither just said.
5: Harris's wealth is, is uh, he's also the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers co owner for basketball. So he's uh, branching into another sport.
2: Joe, well, well, was yeah. there a nation? Y'all
3: have any I, idea? I, I do know that uh, Jeff Bezos was going to, it looked like he was going to put in a major bid, right? The, uh, Bezos is what, the founder of Amazon. Uh, I think he owns the Washington Post now. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but um, he decided to, to pull uh, any bid he was going to make, and that cleared the path for uh, the Josh Harris group.
4: I think well, Magic Johnson is a part of this group too, guys.
2: You're right. mistaken. You are absolutely right. We read about this about two weeks ago. That's why we have you around, Christian, because you have a solid memory. Lars and I pretty much <laughs> filtered ours away throughout the years. Uh, but no, I'm not far behind. <laughs> uh, but, um, I'm just curious if uh, Bezos had had the option, had he ended up buying? When he had called him the Washington Prime? Okay, that was. <laughs> hey, listen, I have a stat that I'm going to throw at you on the other side of this break. Uh, physically and literally uh, about baseball and particularly about the Tampa Bay Rays and what the next 150 games have in front
3: of them. And I, also, I also I, you know, sorry, I just yeah. want to, I, I also want to dig a little deeper into this sale of the Washington commanders sure. and Jeff Bezos. There's, there's a lot of rumors circulating about Bezos and potentially um, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Wow.
2: Uh, The big dogs are getting into the big game, and who wouldn't? Because the NFL is just so rich, literally. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy with a few showers
6: around this afternoon. Maybe a strong thunderstorm in spots through the evening hours. The high today is 69, the low tonight 58. Tomorrow mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. Tomorrow's high at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
2: Noon sports I'm Matt we got Lars we got Christian we got Joe the gang is all here uh, an- another note I will won- you can do this math in your you know in your brain okay the Tampa Bay Rays are off to a 12 and0 start they play 162 games during the regular season so they have already won their first 12. they have 150 games remaining okay? If they play 500 ball from this date forward, they'll win 75 more games. Gives them a total of, is my math correct here, 75, 85, that's 87 wins. They'll be in the playoffs. Does that just blow you away as how important a start can be?
3: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think all this is worth re- reiterating that the Rays have homered in each of their first twelve games. First team to do that since the twenty twenty Yankees, uh, with at least one home run, and since nineteen oh one, only the Mariners, uh, in twenty nineteen, Cleveland, Detroit Tigers, Detroit Tigers, and Chicago Cubs have had longer. Such streaks to start the season, meaning with a home run, uh, the the wow. uh, the Mariners had, did it in 20 straight games. Um, so, it, 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 and you know you mentioned yesterday that their ERA, their collective team ERA, is uh, is still what below two, and um, and they've outscored their opponents 92 to 27. So it's not Unbelievable. like they're, just, they're not. It's not like they're just winning, you know, five to four games, nail biters by getting a, a clutch hit in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, this is ruthless domination. This is, uh, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters against, uh, against Washington Generals. You know, <laughs> like th- this is uh, this is just something we just haven't seen before. So twelve and zero. Uh, and it's one short of the best major league start since 1900, <laughs> right? Uh, the, the 87 Brewers and 82 Braves both opened uh, 13-0. and uh, And that is, uh, that is the, the, the record, right? Um, so, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what they're doing. And in
2: the bottom of the first inning, because they're a Thursday playout game, Boston and Tampa are all tied at one. That game is being played at Tropicana Field. More on baseball a little bit later on in the show. By the way, we will have Christian's dad, Corey, on at the bottom of the hour. And then one of our favorite guests, Chris... Walsh from Bama Central Sports Illustrated will be joining us in the second hour as well. But Lars, you wanted to uh, pick at this. I uh, well, just almost said Redskins? I'm just you know I still call Cleveland the Indians. You're just gonna have to. Isn't aren't the Raiders still in Oakland? Okay, I'm, to, I'm not that. I'm not that bad. But more on the sale.
3: So yeah. So Jeff Bezos, uh, the founder of Amazon, it looked like he was going to make a serious bid for the Washington Commanders. Well, he pulled out, and now Josh Harris, uh, his group. Uh, and Josh Harris, um, uh, he uh, is co-owner of uh, the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, and uh, the New Jersey Devils. And, and he is a person, I think, that warrants uh Probably further exploration because he's a power player now in three huge American professional sports, and paying six billion for the Commanders. and And I would say, wouldn't you that the Washington Commanders are one of the I don't know five most iconic franchises in the NFL? Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I think they're so. up there. Um, but so Bezos, um, Bezos, like, uh, according to a store, uh, uh, one source from the Washington Post, the the source said, "quote Bezos knows that Seattle is sitting there." So what this means is, like, the, the Seahawks aren't currently for sale, but things are trending that way. Uh, the sister of the late Paul Allen. Her name is uh, Jody Allen. She has been selling off her brother's assets, meaning that it's likely a matter of time before the team is up for grabs. And, you know, I, Bezos is uh, um, he's alluded to the possibility of, uh, of, of wanting, obviously, to um, to own an NFL franchise, uh, hence his interest in the commander's. Um, and in uh, in uh, he again he has the the means to uh, to do that. So uh, it'll be interesting to 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 watch and see what happens with the Seattle Seahawks. That almost seems like a more natural fit for Bezos, given that. You know, Amazon. And I, I think of the Pacific Northwest, right, and and and, uh, and Silicon Valley. Like when I think of, I don't know, what is it? Where do you what do you think of when you think of Amazon?
2: Uh all the trucks run around my neighborhood. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, these dang things are everywhere, and they run on Sundays. They run at night. Uh, yeah, no wonder I mean,
3: that guy's a trillionaire. Amazon was founded July fifth, nineteen ninety four. Gosh, can you wow. believe it? it's, it's such a young company <laughs> in the grand scheme of things? In, in Bellevue, Washington, which is just outside of Seattle, so that, that, that makes it makes sense that Bezos would kind of like be going home and uh, and, and become become uh, uh, the eventual owner of, uh, of the Seattle Seahawks. Can you imagine trying to bid against him and try, if the Seahawks come up for sale? And, and I'm certain the Seahawks won't cost anywhere near the $6 billion that, um, reportedly, that the Commanders went for. But anyway, I just wanted to just sort of dig into that because I think we're going to see a, a shift in ownership probably sooner rather than later with the seattle seahawks
2: you know christian's our finance guy so i want to ask christian miller this are guys like that you know some some people and i'll give you an example george steinbrenner bought the yankees because he loved baseball he loved the yankees are these guys now christian buying it as an investment or are they buying it because they really really love the seahawks
4: where does it fall mm-hmm. I would say it depends on each individual. But I, I would if I had to guess probably kinda of in between. I think, you know, there's a reason that they've made it to the point, uh, you know, where they're at in terms of their financial status, you know, they've accumulated that wealth um, you know, by being sp- being smart with their finances. So I, I think they definitely look at it from the investment side and, and what they could see it on a what they could see as a return on it. But I think they also just like the idea of being an owner of a professional sports club. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, I think that'd be probably one of the coolest things. I'm sure it'd come with a lot of of headaches and responsibilities, but um, to be the owner of a club, I think would just um, be one of the coolest things that you could possibly do. And I think, so they're they're probably in in between on there, but I I will say, you know, if I was Bezos, I personally probably, if I had the pick between Washington or Seattle, I think I'd lean much more towards Seattle. Y'all mentioned know, uh, geographically, the location makes a lot more sense, you know, to his location where he's at, you know, his company and whatnot. But also, I just think as, a, you know, and I know Washington does have, you know, deep history, rich history with football. But they just, I don't know, man, they've been through so much recently. Yeah, if I'm a financial guy and I'm thinking of it as an investment. I feel like Seattle would just be a much smarter investment. I mean, they're home of the 12th man. They got a great atmosphere, great stadium. They've once, they've been to super bowls recently, won super bowls. Um, I I would much rather put my money into, uh, uh, an organization like Seattle, right? Especially we're talking about billions of dollars being invested. I would almost kind of shy away from Washington. Now you probably are getting Washington for a pretty good deal because of everything that they've been through. That club has been through recently, but, Personally, if I was one of these guys, um, which hey, maybe one day I'd, I'd, I'd love to be in a conversation of buying a sports club, I would much rather probably purchase a team like Seattle over Washington.
3: And um, what was your experience when you were with uh, the Panthers with uh, David Tepper, who uh, is uh, is the owner uh, of the Panthers? Um, and do the players have much interaction? with him um, yeah he's and, and in just, practice um, all the time it, it, and also and, yeah. uh, it, and just like within the league is it known that there are good owners to play for or and bad owners and, and like what does make a good owner that's a great question yeah, well I mean uh, to answer your first
4: question I mean David Tepper is very involved very hands on um You see him frequently at the practices. Um, You hear about it in the news that he's very involved in a lot of the decisions throughout the organization. So he's one of those guys. He's probably a top-tier, hands-on type of owner. I can't necessarily speak for other teams, but knowing him, I definitely would say he's one of those guys. Um, But I'm sure there are, you know, some owners that are probably better to be (laughs) a player for than others. Um, But, yeah, I, I I don't know if guys. I think, honestly, guys are just grateful for the opportunity to play for a team. I don't think they dig that deep. But I'm sure once they get to know guys, I mean, you definitely know of the owners who have great reputations. I mean... And notably, you think of, you know, Pittsburgh's owner. I mean, great reputation. Uh, there's always great things being said about him from former guys. So, um, there are owners that you do hear a lot of great things about.
2: Hey, great stuff, and it's yeah. going to get even greater uh, because uh, Corey Miller, nine-year NFL vet and father of Christian, is going to join
3: us in about four minutes. Hang on, and he, and he played for one of the best owners right in league history in Wellington Mara good one with the Giants.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC.
3: Learn more
6: at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
0: It's the Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: Hey, back on Big News Sports. It's a rainy afternoon in Alabama. You've got Lawrence Anderson, myself, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller, and his dad, uh, Corey is coming up. Lars, I know, first of all, you probably have to apologize or beg forgiveness or something for something you said that Corey was right on. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I know you love NFL, so I'm going to hand the ball off to
3: you. Uh, and I love the Pastor of Pain. What a great. Uh, <laughs> what a oh, it's a great, <laughs> great moniker. Uh, great, great moniker um Corey, we, we were just talking about NFL owners and and how um, how they interact with with players and what constitutes a good owner versus a bad owner and you played for one of the best in my view right uh, Wellington Mara what what are your memories of of playing for him and, and why did guys like like him so much or maybe I'm, I'm wrong and, and and they didn't
9: well, they you know Wellington and uh, Mr. Tish were just amazing people. Um, and when you go back to the history of the New York Football Giants, you you look at the the relationships. I remember with Lawrence Taylor and you know and Mr. Mayor would come out to practice and you know be on his golf cart and Lawrence would just, just hop out of practice and tell me to get in my rookie year and to go sit and talk to Mr. Mayor for thirty minutes. You know and uh, but he just. He loved all of his players. They believed in drafting uh, and building their teams. Um, I go back to George Young, who was my general manager, and I'll never forget him telling me, you know, we love drafting our players and building families, and they wanted, you know, guys to stay there all their careers if they could. I mean, they just, they love their players. I mean, I was just back at a uh, Legends weekend uh, this past season uh, at home against Dallas, and uh, they had a big dinner for us, and Uh, Just talking to the owners and just, you know, going back to their 90s, they remember everything and and what you did and and very appreciative and how they can help you. And, you know, I think that constitutes good ownership that, you know, family oriented, uh, have love, true love for the players, not just business, but they actually care for them and want to see them do well even after they leave the organization you know, as they always say, you know, once a giant is always a giant. That was something that's been said, and, and it's still true till this day. I can go up to practice. I can go. They ask me, if you want to come and speak to the team or Coach ball, whatever you want. Just please, we'd love to have you. Just, I mean, you know, then they take care of the players when it's time to pay them. And if you're worthy of being paid, they're, they're going to pay you. They're going to try to take care of you. They're going to try to keep you. And, and um, I, I really had a good situation. You know, when I went to Minnesota, I didn't really. Uh, I think it was Red McCombs, uh, was the owner of the Vikings yeah. at the time. And, um, you know, he never really was around that much. So you didn't get a chance to to see him. But, you know, Mr. Tish, Wellington Mara, when I was playing, man, they were there pretty much every day. And i tell you this I was hurt in the preseason in 1998 or 9. I can't remember, 98, I think. And I actually did the Fox game, I uh, did a color commentary of Jacksonville. And the Giants and Mr. Titch like, hey, Corey, you don't have to wait around on the team. Um, why don't you just fly, fly back with me? And so uh, I got on this nice, G, whatever number what it was, it was a bad plane. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, man, and I had to, you know, the service to give him what he wants: drink, you know, steak, filet, blah blah blah. I flew back with with Wellington. I was one of the greatest memories, man, and and that's what I'm saying. He's like, I know you looked down, and you know we hate that you got banged up a little bit, but I want you to to go back with us. And then he took care of me, and so so I just had a great relationship with owners, but I know they could be bad owners too, and there are several for sure, as we know, uh, just not far from New York. The Giants are right down 95, and they got a horrible situation going on, so. Uh, but I think one that cares about the players, Lars, you know, and, and, and really means, you know what I mean, not just the, just getting on TV and saying, but their actions uh, should say that they are very, very thankful and love their players.
3: This is a, a fascinating topic to me, and one I have honestly never really thought of in depth, but um, the, the fact that the Giants with the Maras are a family-run organization. Uh, you look at the Steelers. The Rooney family, family-run organization, uh, the Raiders, right with uh, the the Davis family. Um, it almost seems like the best organizations are often family-run organizations. And it, is is there a reason for that, Corey? I mean, I, I know this is speculation. I mean, I'm I'm just curious as to the, the the does the notion exist that it, perhaps the uh, idea of, of family is more infused throughout the entire organization when the, fa- when, the, when the team is actually run by a family.
9: Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with it because, I mean, they look at it as extended family. You know, when the players come in and they treat them right, I mean, you look at Steelers and the history there, and you just alluded to these great owners, and, and, and they go back decades and years you know, uh, with players. Um, and I think it has something to do with their structure of family. I mean, uh, the mayor family, very devout Catholic, strong, you know, uh, Christianity bond there too. I mean, it just, you know, I had a great experience. I also knew like back in the day, Cleveland and other, other teams were, were not thought of as much, you know, and they didn't have that family structure. The owner wasn't, uh, around, the, the you know, the organization so much. It was just strictly business for them. Uh, they could care less about the players. I mean, they, there's a lot of that, that that we see today. So, yeah, I think you're right that, that it means something. If, if the owners are, are good family-oriented people like the Rooney family and, and, and the Mayors and the Tishers, um, you know, not I even go to say Jerry Jones. I mean, you know, Jerry Jones loves his players. I mean, Look! Look at the Michael Irvins and the, the man. These guys rave about Jerry. All of his players rave about Jerry Jones. I mean, the guy gives them box seats, and I mean, even when they're done playing, he takes care of them. I mean, you, there's something to be said about that. So, uh, I, but I do know a lot of guys that that can't say what I'm saying today, and probably angry, don't like him. Um, but uh, I had the privilege
4: to to experience a great great organization and the ownership. Well, continuing on the topic of owners, I'm not sure if you saw the news, but the Washington Commanders um, have reached an agreement in principle to sell uh, the team to Josh Harris and his group. Um, Josh Harris is uh, the owner, or co-owner of the 76ers, um, as well as the NHL's New Jersey Devils. How do you see the change of ownership uh, having an impact, uh, if any, um, on you know maybe turning things around for an organization like Washington, who's kind of struggled in recent years?
9: Yeah, they've had so so many issues, Christian. I mean, it's got to be, can't be any worse. <laughs> it can't be. It has to be better, I would right. think. Uh, you know, a breath of fresh air probably, you know, in the front office. I mean, you have all these, uh, you know, things that was, uh, you know, allegedly that was happening and going on. I mean, uh, you know, emails. To, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff for Daniel Snyder, man. And I think, you know, Washington is one of those organizations that has prided themselves in, and being one of the best in all of the National Football League, they have a lot of a really great history. Uh, I mean, the Commanders now, of course, the Redskins back in the day. I was just uh, had the money after the Masters, the Hooting the Bullfish event uh, the other day, and 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 uh, my teammate was uh, Riley McKenzie, and having some good dialogue and conversation with him, talking about that organization. I mean, you know, so you, you understand they they're, they're excited. People are excited to see change. People are excited to, to experience something new and different. And and hopefully, you know, they can move on. So I if I had to say today, it's got to be better. I don't know a great deal about, uh, who, you know, the new owners, who they're going to be. But it, it has to be absolutely better than what it was. Because this it was a mess there in Washington, man. I mean, an absolute mess.
2: And that is likely to change 180. Our guest is Corey Miller. He is the father of Christian Miller and nine-year NFL veteran. And coming up, I just made this up, guys. Okay, it's going to be called "If Corey Were Commissioner." All right. The next segment will be "If Corey Miller Were Commissioner," (laughs) and I'm going to fire a question at you. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
8: It's the Tuscaloosa
2: community calendar powered by Pepsi.
10: Join the fun at the Help Hold Heal fundraising event Sunday, April 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Live music from Boondock Saints and Brandon Malone and Whiskey Over Ice. Food, soft drinks, activities for children and adults and special guest, Big Al at the downtown social 420th Avenue. Get your tickets now at helpholtheal.com Raffles, store prices and silent auction two-thirds. on some really beautiful items. Yeah, and this is yeah. MC. Hey, can yep, you hear Christian me. good? He sounds good me. in our studio, hey, but this is I'm just curious R&R, how the computers are, are connected. Is
11: the cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 okay, yeah. Street across from the home two suites. Come down to r and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and 500 I talk to of you. Or unmatched. because of We have the, the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Yes, you are. Our lounge yes, you and you service are. are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination.
7: Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. You've
12: probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel, redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops Apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athletes or fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and And if you haven't tried the Miz and dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined.
1: From our home base right here in
11: Birmingham,
1: Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation.
0: Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here.
8: Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with.
0: Excellence in sports
12: medicine. Excellence in research and education.
8: And excellence in sports injury prevention.
12: We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury.
6: Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy with a few showers around this afternoon, maybe a strong thunderstorm in spots through the evening hours. The high today 69, the low tonight 58. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. Tomorrow's high at 72. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today.
5: Matt, you're back home
2: I feel like I need to be doing a little Irish jig Alright, do it, do it And a pint of that Hey, welcome back to <laughs> the program. It's Big Noon Sports, and our guest is Corey Miller. Um, and I just created a segment, and I literally did this five minutes ago. <clears throat> it's called If Corey Were Commissioner. So, Corey, if you were commissioner, yes, is there a rule or rules change that you would immediately like to see enacted?
9: Uh, number one, these uh, late heads on the quarterback, um, I would definitely make those. 100% reviewable. Um, and, and that uh, when we can go back and look at them, and see that, hey, you know what, somebody did, did you know, just didn't sneeze on a Tom Brady and got a flag. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that yes. I would change. And, and uh, number two, guys, and I like this from, I believe, the XFL, is how they do the kickoffs. I mean, we're talking about, you know, concussions and all, all these things happening on on kickoffs and punts and special teams. I really like that part of it. And also, you can have a one, two, or three. Like, I, I love what the XFL has implemented. I think it, it gives more life and more energy and more excitement to the game. I would change those
4: rules. That's you know, true. No, I agree. I think those are two big rules. I, I forgot to tell you this yesterday. I went over and stopped by practice um, just to kind of check things out. It's going to be my first time really heading over there this spring. And I wasn't even out there for maybe a minute or two minutes. Somebody taps me on the shoulder, and uh, you wouldn't believe who it was. It was it was Michael Bulware. And he was, uh, he was at practice visiting with his son, Michael Jr., um, who actually – Played his freshman year of high school at my high school, Valley High School. Matt, I'll give you and the the viewers kind of a backstory. So, Michael Bower, if you're not familiar, he played he played Spring Valley High he? School. He did play at Florida State, yeah, But he, uh, he actually has really good family friends, and uh, you know he went to my high school. He was a South Carolina Player of the Year there. And when he was kind of growing up, my dad kind of helped, you know, mentor him a little bit. And you know, we all went to the same church, and then. When I was getting recruited, he kind of did the same thing for me. And so I just happened to see him at Alabama's football practice yesterday. Um, his son was out there oh, on a wow. the recruiting trip. Yeah, so I got to catch up with him. Um, but I was just going to ask you, what, what what does that kind of mean to you when you hear these kind of things where, you know, you're looking down the road and, and now uh, you know I had the opportunity to play. Then you know, obviously Michael played in the league a few years and you kind of had an impact on him and now. Michael's son is taking visits uh, to Alabama and looks to have a promising future playing football. What's it mean to kind of see these things kind of come full circle um, to see that you kind of you know paved the way and then you had an impact on others and, and, and to kind of see them make an impact and moving forward? Does that kind of just kind of touch you, kind of hearing those kind of stories?
9: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, you know, you, I, I'm just sitting there, as you were saying that, thinking back at how... It seemed like just a few years ago, you know. You was a little boy, and then I worked with Michael, and, uh, and how to, taught him how to play outside linebacker. I uh, did the same thing with his brother Peter Bowyer, uh when he uh, was at Spring. Christian broke his uh, sack record there, and uh, he went to Florida State, and then had a phenomenal careers in the Hall of Fame in, in, in the state of South Carolina. Um, but to see that, you know, it's good that you are able to have impact and. And, uh, you know, God has blessed me to give back, not just to you, but the other folks, and see them helping how they have helped you. And now his son is at Alabama on business. And, and, and matter of fact, his brother's son, uh, Riley Boware is another uh, big-time recruit has got about 15, 20 offers. But to see all that stuff happen in our little state, in our little city of Columbia, South Carolina, and see these young men doing some great things on and off the field, I mean, that's that's what I believe that every uh, player Uh, that has has success, uh, give back. I mean, and, 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 you know, teach these young men how to, one, play, but how to be good men off the field. And that's really what my ministry is all about with Giants for Christ is to see that the generation after generation of young men continue to grow up. And I hope other players will build off something similar to what I'm doing because, you know, there's too many issues with athletes and and problems. and, um, and, And hopefully, you know, these guys can speak into their lives and, and see change and just just build something beautiful, so yeah, I, I, that's awesome. I mean, that uh, Michael had a chance to have his son down there, and just where they use that practice that they So, yeah, that definitely is very moving.
2: Hey, um, want to ask you real quick about your thoughts, uh, the upcoming draft, and we'll ask you again before the draft the same question, but. I think the general belief is now that while Stroud may have been tabbed as the number one pick here in the last couple of weeks, that Bryce Young, particularly in light of the fantastic score he, he had in, what do they call it? It's a preparation
9: read, read and react type. Is, is he yeah. going number
2: one to your Panthers?
9: I believe so. And, uh, you know, I do radio up there too as well. Um, covering the Panthers and and, and the consensus the, the is that that's their guy. And that's why they made the trade. And then and everybody tries to say now CJ Stroud has leapfrog Bryce Young. But when you think about Frank Wright, the offensive mind that he is, uh the innovative things that he, you know, puts out there on Sundays. And you talk about a guy, listen, everybody won't talk about his height and his, oh he's been Mel all to two oh four and, you know, one ninety five and all listen, as Nick Saban said, just turn on the tape. Go ask every SEC football defense coordinator the most headache. It will be Bryce Young. When you're talking about a guy that can extend, he's smart, uh, he has a strong arm, he can make every throw. I mean, a great kid. You want to build your organization around a great kid? That's the guy. I mean, you know, Frank Wright is a devout man of faith, too. Listen, man, Bryce should be in Carolina, and I'm praying and hoping because that means I'm going to be up there watching some – the more good football games and get a chance to be around a, another tighter Alabama Crimson Tide dude and and uh, I, I think his name is going to be called first and I think Houston probably going to end up taking a stride but I'll be shocked, I will be absolutely shocked when the people that I've talked to up there in North Carolina, Charlotte that Bryce Young isn't their quarterback come here in the next what, 10 days, 5 days however long it is for the crowd
2: I don't know. Lars is here, and he's he knows everything there is about the trade. He could name it <laughs> those thirty picks. Uh, next Thursday, it. uh, man. It's next
9: Thursday. Thank you. Well, we'll have you on again before then. All right, Corey. Sounds good, man. I'm just I tweeted you guys, and you can see what I'm doing radio on this yacht here at RBC Heritage. So uh, just go to your Twitter page and see what the passer paint is doing as we speak. Oh, man. I, I used to go to that event, and I loved
2: it. Everything. I even liked the plaid jacket. All right, Corey. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. All right. uh, next hour, we'll be talking with Chris Walsh of Vama Central, Sports Illustrated, and a couple more topics are, are going to be brought up here as we continue Big Noon Sports.
1: From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here
0: treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world.
10: As respected
0: industry leaders. We are here.
8: Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with.
12: Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education.
8: And excellence in sports injury prevention.
12: We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoots apparel, clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athletes or fanatic. They've got Peter Merlour, Fiori Grayson, and Mizinimain. And if you haven't tried the, Miz the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the strip. Also, they've got a great e commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Chris. Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel Redefined.
13: Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed, and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA and Equal Opportunity Employer Program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association.
11: Hey, this is Reagan, owner of r Cigars the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to r and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination.
7: Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tide
6: 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy with a few showers around this afternoon. Maybe a strong thunderstorm in spots through the evening hours. The high today 69. The low tonight, 58. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. Tomorrow's high at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 65- degrees in tuscaloosa
0: a national championship team covering a national championship team the best sports talk in the state tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app wtug hd2 northport and w265 cg tuscaloosa tide 100.9 and screaming on the tide 100.9 app
10: Welcome back
1: to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller.
2: Welcome back into the program. Matt Long, Christian, Joe Gaither at our flagship station there in Tuscaloosa, the Tide 100.9. And all the folks that are listening over in the uh, East Alabama area, Anderson, Gadsden, uh, on our Walt Williams stations, we appreciate y'all listening as well. Guys, uh, during the break, uh, I went to, to the refrigerator and I grabbed this carton full uh, container, full of watermelon. It's about to be watermelon season and my wife knows how to pick them. And I just went in there and, man, it's not even a really, really good ripe one. But, man, I just wanted to start this hour and then we'll get right back into sports to ask Joe... And Christian, we may have touched on this several years, several uh, months ago. Are you a watermelon guy, Christian?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to remember, you just had the, the, the king of watermelon on, on the show just a second That's ago. Like, uh, home of uh, the watermelon capital. Right? Yeah, well, well, yeah, where he's from. Yeah, Paisley, South Carolina, the watermelon capital. <laughs> Do you salt or not? Oh, no, I, I don't. I, I I don't know if he does or not, but I don't. Joe, what about you? Are you still on, Mike?
5: Oh, I'm, with, I'm with you. Uh, I am a mild watermelon fan. I'll eat. Uh, I'll have a slice, but uh, I know people who love it. Uh, I'll have just a little bit at a time. And no salt, please.
2: Uh, no, if, if the watermelon's not any good, I can use salt on it to maybe help it out. But otherwise, if it's, it's – to me, it's like steak. If it's a good piece of meat, you don't need to put anything on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, if it's a good watermelon, you don't need to put anything on it. But this is true, and, you know, I'm getting older to a point where I don't mind saying this stuff. When I was a kid growing up in Arkansas, they had these little picnic table areas with a little red shack, and they had a cooler, and it was, it was actually, they were on ice, just full of watermelons. And you'd go, and my dad would buy a watermelon. It was like two bucks back then, and they would slice it up into five chunks and we would just sit there and eat it, and it would just be all over the place, all over your face. We'd have to change clothes. We'd have to take a bath when we got home. And then, you know, when I was really, really young, I loved it so much, my parents would have to pull the rind away because I would eat it all the way down to where it was white. And then you'd just use your imagination a little bit. Guess what happened that night when I went to sleep? It's watermelon. Uh 90% <laughs> of water. uh Oh, that's the that's the only instance I had. It was not a regular occasion. It was only with watermelon. Hey, there was an article yesterday, guys, that we didn't touch on yet. And it was uh, about Ohio State University, the Ohio State University and Ryan Day athletic director had given him a vote of conference. But he said, we expect basically let me just paraphrase this for you. He said, we expect to beat Michigan not lose to him 2 years in a row then we expect to be in the playoffs well by the way uh had Harrison stayed healthy you'd have been in the championship game cuz uh, I think you had Georgia on the ropes but uh, kind of getting back to the to the nucleus of the subject Christian d- do
4: you see Ryan Day in-, in trouble at Ohio State um I don't think so I mean I I, I mean somebody you just said it I mean they they were uh, you know, seconds or minutes or a few plays away from playing for a national championship. So I, I don't think so at all. Um, do you? No, not really. And I mean, <laughs> how uh, how bad
2: would it look for to get rid of a guy that's gotten you to the playoffs? You know, really, he should have been in
4: the championship game. Um, right. But there well, are. I mean, but that, that's kind of that's kind of how it is, though, Matt. The, I mean, nowadays it feels like nothing's good enough for these coaches um i mean we see coaches getting fired uh they're they're at a program for two years and you know they they might not necessarily be in a playoff situation or anything but they don't even have enough time to really get their roster get their um you know their culture developed and they're already seeing the door so i think that's kind of just the state of how things are now with coaches unfortunately it's you know these schools and in these organizations these clubs they, they want results now and uh unfortunately it it's it's tough for these coaches because again, it doesn't necessarily work like that. You know coaches need time to implement their system, get the right guys involved um but they unfortunately don't really have that often nowadays. uh no, they really don't. Hey before we went to the top of the
2: hour, you touched on running into bull wear at practice yesterday uh tell yep. us some more of your observations uh, at practice yesterday and i also want to lead with this one question because it's just uh you know curiosity killed the mat but um how do you do that <laughs> do you walk through the football office does somebody give you a, a little i remember the practices i've gone to you had to wear a, a lanyard with a, almost a credential on it uh, and do former players have
4: full access Oh, well, to answer your first question, I'll be honest, I was socializing so much, I, I didn't even have a great view. I kind of was just in attendance, kind of hanging out. I was only there for a short period of time, but, um, you know, they, they, they look like a typical spring practice. You know, a lot of younger guys getting some valuable reps. You know, I saw some good intensity out there, guys really competing. Um, but other than that, man, I'll be honest, I mean, there's not really any – any any huge uh you know insight that i might be able to offer because again i i wasn't there long enough and i'll be honest i wasn't paying close enough attention other than like i said just really like guys really getting after it but again you've got to see a lot of guys especially younger guys getting valuable reps whether it's due to injury or just because that's kind of how the spring is it's kind of what it's for is to kind of get guys along and just get give them some valuable experience while you can but um, in terms of me uh, attending and, and former guys, um, you know, we're kind of fortunate where um, Alabama is one big family. Right. And um, yeah. I'm I'm able to, you know, use the facilities almost at my leisure just because of how gracious they are. And, uh, you, that, you know, again, I, I'm very respectful of it, but, um, you know, they have fingerprint systems they are nice enough to let me use my fingerprint there. Um, so if I want to go use the weight room and work out, which I actually did yesterday. I'm able to do that. You um, know, and, and again, I have great relationships with everybody in the program, so I I, I go visit with them. But and it, it's that's kind of how I, I go out to practice. I kind of just go in the facility like I would any other day. I just walk out on the practice field and greet everybody, and just sometimes take some take some looks at things. But uh, you know, when we me do a media, I'm very respectful of that, and I'm very um, aware of that. I I, I don't want to you know have any conflicts of interest I don't ever want to you know overstep so I don't go out there trying to get intel and plan to share I just kind of go out there as Christian Miller the former player and, and get to kind of hang out with everybody and enjoy just kind of being back on the practice field as a matter of fact Anthony Jennings a uh, guy that you know I played alongside with um outside linebacker was also out there and we got to catch up and hang out and just that was part of the reason I I, well, I ran into Michael Boulware then I ran into Anthony and um, next thing I knew, I mean, I had been talking for about an hour <laughs> and it's about ready for me to go, but yeah. So yeah, you know, they, they they're very gracious to those former guys. And again, it, it's a very family oriented atmosphere. So they allow us to kind of just still be around and be involved. And they actually really appreciate us coming out there because it is shows that guys, you know, care for the program we're invested and in, they know, you know, we mean well and anything we can do to help the program or help guys out. We're more than happy to do so.
2: You know, it's amazed me over the years, and this is a, a little bit at Alabama, but at a lot of schools, that a coach will come in, bring his new staff, bring his new managers, and not necessarily shut out the former players, but not embrace them. Alabama does, and, and guess what happens? Uh, Christian Miller gets a, a phone call from Keon, the uh, linebacker down yes. in Florida, and the next yep. thing you know, and I don't know if you had a direct – Uh, effect on whether or not he was going to sign with Alabama, but he did. You know, as a former player, you encouraged, I guess. But, you know, I've never understood why they would just try and um, not embrace the culture that is the University of Alabama. And that is something that Paul Bryant did for years and years and years. And um, I I just think that's the way you do it. Saban's so smart. I mean, he knows you guys can recruit for him. It's better
4: yeah. to recruit for the University of Alabama than an NFL guy. Well yeah, and, and I'll be honest, Matt, I mean, and no shots at the University of South Carolina, but I remember, you know, before, you know, they got Beamer there now. Um but it you know, when I was getting recruited, it was kinda like what you just were describing. I wouldn't necessarily say shutting guys out completely, but they would allow guys back, you know, to a certain extent, but they were very strict on their policies and and, on basically what they kind of could be included in. And I remember my dad kind of, you know, taking note of that, especially with him being a former player. And uh, I took note of that. And that was one of the reasons I actually wanted to come to Alabama because I saw how they treated their former players. And y'all have heard me say on the show before, my dad always emphasizing it's a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision. And uh, that was a large piece of me wanting to come here, and um, you know I, I'm experiencing that today. Like I just was explaining, I mean, again, I, I, I still feel like I'm a part of the family. I, as a matter of fact, I know I'm part of the family. I know every other former guy is a part of the family, and like you said, they they truly embrace guys coming back. They encourage guys to come back, and and they're happy to help you in any way they can, whether that's professionally, whether that's just you know you just coming by saying hello and. Or are you being able to talk to guys while you're out there? that they, they love that because it just shows the recruits that are always at practice that, hey, you know, obviously this means a lot to these guys that so they want to come back here. You know, they don't just do their time here at Alabama and they, you know, they never touch foot in Tuscaloosa again. Guys are constantly coming back. And I think that just speaks volumes about not only the program, but Coach Saban and the job that he's done to really, you know, create that atmosphere and culture here at the university.
2: A lot of those guys you see in the weight room, like you, <clears throat> former players, then gone on to the NFL, that are that are working out. They work in the off season, right?
4: Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, it's like home to us, Matt. It's like our second home. And um, you had success while you were here, and you just there's, you know, I, that's a great point. You know, I ran into Tony Brown not too long ago, and that was one of the first things he said was he was like, "Man, it just feels so good to be back here." Like he's like, "I just feel so much like myself." You know, I had great success while I was here and it was like just being able to train here uh, just makes me just gets me back in that right mindset just to go out there and and accomplish all my goals. And and that's exactly what he was saying when I was talking to him. So you're exactly right, Matt, on that point that guys really just feel so comfortable here and uh, and rightfully so. Is Anthony still with uh, the Patriots? He is, yep. Is he's he um, still with New England. Yes, sir, he's still with New England. He's uh, training right now. He's back and forth between here and Birmingham, working out and training, getting ready uh, to head back up there probably in a few weeks. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, you know, he he, he was hurt two years ago, battled a uh, hamstring injury most of the season, and then this past season he came back, bounced back strong, had a great year, um, really was, you know, disruptive, and it was effective with his pass rush, and it was – uh, so fun to watch him, so I'm expecting big things out of him. I know he's only getting uh, better, and uh, he's he's one of my favorite teammates, man. He's, he, that's a guy that will always go to war with you. Um, truly a brother to me, and, uh, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I love to see him have the success that he's having. But, yeah, he's in New England, and uh, he's, he's thriving there.
2: Dadeville High School zone.
4: Uh, that's right. Christian,
2: when we get back, let's talk uh, with – Chris Walsh, our our longtime partner on this show, and he's working for Sports Illustrated uh, slash Bama Central. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is
10: Big Noon Sports.
2: It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered
10: by Pepsi. Join the fun at the Help Holt Heal fundraising event Sunday, April 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Live music from Boondock Saints and Brandon Malone and Whiskey Over Ice. Food, soft drinks, activities for children and adults. And special guest, Big Al, at the Downtown Social, 420th Avenue. Get your tickets now at helpholtheal.com Raffle store prizes, and silent auction on some really beautiful items. And guess who's the MC? See. Yep, it's me. I'm Captain Ray. Tide
6: 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy with a few showers around this afternoon. Maybe a strong thunderstorm in spots through the evening hours. The high today 69, the low tonight 58. Tomorrow mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. Tomorrow's high at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
2: along with Christian Miller, Joe Gaither, our gang there at the studio and being joined now by Chris Walsh, I believe he's hooked up with us, uh, with Bama Central and Sports Illustrated. Chris, how are you? And, and let's let's start our portion of the show off with you telling everyone where you can catch up with what Sports Illustrated is doing in Tuscaloosa because I know you literally cover all the sports there. Yeah, you have a gang.
14: That's what I want to hear about. you have a gang in the, in yeah, the they're, studio? Yeah, you ought to there, see, so.
2: Chris, have you ever been to the studio? In, I don't know. someone break away for just a second. Have you ever been to the studio in Tuscaloosa?
14: Oh, yeah, plenty of times. It's, it's, okay. um, the, the station that they're at, actually, I um, came very close to doing a show, uh, regular show for one, so I, I know it very well.
2: Well, you've seen the control room. And and this is nothing against it because I've been in control rooms. Believe it or not, they're even smaller than that one. But it amazes me when I'm over there, sometimes I'll look up and there'll be 75 people in that little room. (laughs) And that's what I mean by the gang. You know why? It's because Joe Gaither is so committed to paying it forward that he has interns and he is helping future broadcasters. Way to go, Joe. He is helping future broadcasters all the time. Okay. Now let's
14: get back to it. How do people follow you and all your reporters? Uh, Bama online, uh, excuse me, Bama, Bama online. We're Bama central. Screwed that up. Um, we are the sports illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide. And like you mentioned, we do cover all, all the sports. I mean, it's, we kind of, our slogan is, is all things Bama. And, and we really mean it. We, uh, we're the only ones that cover baseball on a regular basis. We're the only ones that cover softball. And, and I could go on and on and on in that respect. But um, we do try to do it all. Probably try to do a little too much. But, hey, that's just that's what we're about. Well,
2: that is what it's about. And that's why uh, you guys excel. And uh, the clicks on your site, prove it out. Uh, and speaking of all the sports you cover, I mean, we can talk football. And I know a lot of people want to hear that. And I want to know what's wrong with softball. Or is there anything?
14: Yeah, it's, you know, let's, it starts with the fact that, you know, you've got Man- Montana Fouts. You know, she's the ace and she, they're going to ride her arm all through the postseason um, for the third, fourth, fourth year. Jeez, um, how oh, she a senior already? Anyways, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's the pieces around her and it's, uh, it's, you know, I'm like like they have a good catcher, and you got to have that. And they're they've been hoping that somebody was going to really step up with the uh, the second you know be a second pitcher, and they've done okay in that respect, but not as as well as they'd hoped. But for me, the real thing is it's just the offense has just hasn't quite been there this year. Um, again, you know, and people are kind of like, here we go again, but. um you know, it's the SEC is the toughest conference in the country, and it's you know, a lot of these games are coming down to one run. and just for some reason, this team has not been able to to kind of push across that one run that's that they really need that that can be the difference in a lot of these games. So there are about five hundred in SEC play going in the second half of the season uh, of the you know SEC schedule. Uh, this is when it's they're going to find out how good they really are.
4: Now, I'm a big fan of Patrick Murphy, and and, I like him as a person, as a coach, but is there any concern for him if they don't necessarily turn it around this season um, that he may not be in Tuscaloosa much longer?
14: No, I I don't think that it would ever get to that far. I mean, he's he's built the program. He's won a national championship. I I would assume that there might be a, a discussion or two about you know, what are you gonna to do to try to um you know it it's they're close. You know, it's 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 the same thing with this program for the last couple of years. Really close. Can you get over that kind of hump kind of thing? And um but it's it's the rest of the conference has also come up a, a lot. So I, I he's one person I would pretty much assume is gonna be
4: uh safe, um and not going anywhere. Let's flip over to baseball. You know, I like to watch Alabama baseball and one thing I noticed you know non-conference games you know they light it up they they play terrific and then um, these SEC games um, we just don't necessarily see that same result and I understand you know the difficulties of playing the SEC but that's what I want to ask you does that is that just a testament to how good these other SEC teams are or do we just see a a large fluctuation of play uh, from this baseball team?
14: No, it's well. First off, you, you you know you put your finger right on it. And the fact, you know, this team has won every single midweek game this year. I, I, they're fourteen and zero, something like that. Uh, you know, and and they play really, really well. Like they play, you know, uh, relaxed and you know, got it done against Southern Miss this week. I, something like thirteen to uh, thirteen, nothing, something, something like that. Um, but it's you know, this is a conference. If if uh, if you know, it's, 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 it's a conference full of top 25 teams. It's, it's even more so in this sport than really any other in, 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 you know, that the sec does, um, you know, it's like, you can, you can look at the schedule at any point in the season and every single opponent is either ranked or is going to be ranked. And then, and so like the worst team in the conference is pretty much a top 25 team. It's just brutal. So, um, and, and you also have to remember that Alabama has, um, and, and this isn't a huge, um, I don't like the word excuse, but i got to use it in this, in this case. You know, Alabama has fewer um, uh, scholarships than everyone else does in the sport because of, of you know, the various rules and with lottery and so forth like that. So they're dealing with the short end to begin with, and then you have this brutal schedule. Um, it, it's, it's a good team. It, it is. They're, they're fun to watch. It's kind of the same thing with softball, though. They get in these weekend games against these really just brutal teams. And, you know, they get one win, and then they go into that the, the last game of, this, of the series, and, you know, the other team manages to push push across an extra run. And I know it's it's kind of frustrating, and, it, it, it's you know, people are kind of like, oh, it's the same old story. But, um, you know, it, it's... I think Brad Buchanan's done a good job, really good job with the program. It's it's just can they get that one extra run kind of thing in that key situation?
2: How good is Vanderbilt? Are they heads above everybody else in the league? They're eleven and one in league play, and the, most everybody else has at least two or three losses. Yeah,
14: it's just that's that program. You know, it's it's really that's kind of what Vanderbilt's becoming known for. Although I think the, yeah. the golf team this year is is incredibly good as well. So um, that's kind of what they're you know hanging their hat on, if you will. It's 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 not football. We all know that. It's it's as much as as we want to say good things about Vanderbilt and uh, and and academically, um, it's they aren't in this well, I was going to say they aren't in the same league. Yes, they are in the same league. They just they're at the bottom <laughs> of the league. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, that seems it's, it's, um, uh, um, and when it comes to baseball, they, uh, they've got a, a, a really good coach. Um, not the nicest guy in the world, but that's okay. He doesn't care. You know, he, he's he's there to win. And then, um, you know, you can go around the SEC and just sit there and, and point to it. Baseball team after baseball team, and just go, yeah, that seems really good. Yeah, that seems really good. That seems really good. I mean, it's in some ways it's the usual suspect. I mean, South Carolina is really good. LSU, once again, you know, here we go with them. Uh, the one thing that is really at, uh, Florida, of course, you know, um, but it's the one thing that's really kind of working to Alabama's advantage is just the bottom of the SEC West is also struggling to kind of get it going. I mean, Ole Miss. Um, You know, Mississippi State is below below them in the standings. Um, I you know I like Alabama's chances to get to the SEC tournament, and you do that, you never know what 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 happens, kind of thing. And we've seen that over and over again. But man, what a tough conference!
2: Yeah, uh, and here's here's a perfect example. Who won the World Series last year in Omaha? What did
4: Ole Miss? I think it was Ole Miss, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: they're two they're two and eight. <laughs> They're at the bottom of the league. I mean, wow! And they and they could bolt out of the conference again, the tournament here in Birmingham, and win it all again. Uh, well, Chris obviously, really went their heads. you know. <laughs> hey, can you hang on another break? Sure. All right, Chris Walsh, Alabama Central
1: Sports Illustrated. More in a moment. From T town to the plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sport. If they decide to do so, other
4: guys in the transfer portal, but man, I think one of the biggest uh, losses that people might not necessarily, you know, count really is the assistant coaches. I'm pretty sure he lost all three of his assistants. Do you see Nate Oates being able to bounce back quickly from the, these losses?
14: Yeah, he did lose all three assistants and um, they all became head coaches everywhere, which, you know, you got to be excited for, for them, but yeah, I thought it's at the same time, it's just kind of like, wait, wait a minute, what's going on kind of thing. Um, you know, yeah. uh, Pet, losing Petway is, um, that's going to hurt recruiting especially. It's, it's So he lost his right-hand man, he lost his de- defensive specialist coach, and he lost uh, Petway, who is arguably, you know, as good of a recruiter as, as anyone else, but Um. You know, OHS is not going to stand still. It, it's, I'm a little surprised that we've only had one um, one coach hired, but it's it's my understanding. I'm not going to mention the name. They're going after a former player that they really hope um, joins the staff, and and I hear that it's, it's a real possibility. But I think that's kind of the next thing that he, that they're looking to pin down, and and so that's the holdup right now. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot of turnover. And um, you know, it's it's everything is in flux. And I don't you know, you're gonna get a couple guys back. Um uh Bediaco, I think is 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 gonna come back. Um, you know, he's testing the NBA waters. I think they're gonna tell him it's like go back and, and you could give you a shot to be a first round draft pick next year and that'll get him back. Um are they gonna get Javon Quinterly back? That's, you know, kinda up in the air. I think they're gonna get Sears back. Um he's also tested the NBA Waters, so and then it's just kind of a mad scramble to see who you can get um i i like the the, the guy that they they got from um uh, Wichita state uh, walton i think he's going to be a good fit and um yeah he started you know, and
2: did he didn't play in Tuscaloosa? he played at shelton something like that yeah yeah from, he did yeah,
14: yeah you know he knows exactly what he's getting into and and yeah. uh, he's a good good fit for this team uh it looks like so um, so yeah, they're gonna lose some they're gonna lose some guys. There, there's no doubt about that and uh, they've got uh, you know a couple really um, they've got a, a three strong guys coming in, in the in the recruiting class so big shuffling of the deck. Uh,
2: real quick before we let you go,'d uh, be remiss if we didn't talk some more football. Um, are you hearing the 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 flattering things about Tommy Reese and running this offense?
14: Yeah, we we've been hearing it all along, um, and so it, it, we kind of jumped on that bandwagon early. So it 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 before we even really got to talk to any players, although we've barely been able to talk to any players. It's been um, I got to be honest, it's been it's been really disappointing because what they're doing is they're giving us uh, Coach Saban once a week, and then they bring in two players, and that's it. That's all we get. Uh, um, so your future stories, yeah, it it doesn't help. Um, but it's, it's why you're hearing, you know, so little um, in part this year. And, I, you know, I see the thing is that this camp in particular, over just about any other, I think there's a lot of teaching going on. And so, like, you know, everyone's always like, well, what's going on with the depth chart? What's going on with the depth chart? It's, they got to get these guys up to speed. And, and it, you know, the best example of it is just a quarterback. You know, it, it, this is not just going to be, uh, you know, what did this guy do today what, or this week even kind of thing. Uh, you know, AD, I think, is, is going to be kind of important because you're going to have one on one side and one on the other side, and, and you're going to be able to, you know, the eye test is going to tell you a lot, you know, about where these guys are. And I think it's closer than people think already. So that's something that's going to go into the fall, which is what I thought it was going to happen all along. And so, yeah, it, it's – you aren't seeing – the kind of oh you know, uh, you know, buzz talk really about football right now. Everyone's just kind of like, "Oh, okay. Well, they're they're practicing, and then you know, we're sure they're going to be pretty good at the end." <laughs> Is uh, you know, kind of the attitude that I get from from people that I talk to. So, um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to see them next week at 8 day. You know, I want to see everyone.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, love your stuff, love reading you, love talking to you, and I uh, hope you uh, just have a wonderful rest of the week and weekend, and uh, hello to your kids and your wife, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, if not sooner.
14: Okay, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Y'all have, a, have a good one.
4: All right, you too. Thanks, Chris. He's
2: a really, really good guy.
14: <laughs> Christian, did
2: Lars and I ever tell you the time he invited us over to his house? and. uh <laughs> Oh wow! We had we had martinis and barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: ever heard? Quite of the trouble? contrast, no? That's uh, quite was, the
2: contrast. Uh, he is uh, He's a really good man, professionally and personally. All right, we'll be back. Wrap up, big news sports.
1: From T town to the plane. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients
0: from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here.
14: Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with.
12: Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education.
8: And excellence in sports injury prevention.
12: We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing. Victory over injury. Learn more at AndrewsportsMedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoots apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Mullar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and And if you haven't tried the Miz and dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined.
13: is a part of all of us we know that the world around us has changed and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard work is a part of all of us, let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov funding provided by the USDOL ETA and Federal WIOA and Equal Opportunity Employer Program, auxiliary aids and services available upon request brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association
7: Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tide
0: 100.9. Tuscaloosa
6: weather. Mostly cloudy with a few showers around this afternoon. Maybe a strong thunderstorm in spots through the evening hours. The high today 69, the low tonight 58. Tomorrow mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. Tomorrow's high at 72. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in. And- Tuscaloosa
4: welcome back to the show big news sports Christian Miller here Matt had to take off a little early Lars as well so it's me and Joe remaining Joe uh What you got left for us? I know we we haven't hit on some of Coach Saban's comments, and I know you keep up with that a little bit better than me. You might be able to bring those up. Why don't we discuss that? Anything interesting you caught from any of his comments?
5: Yeah, well, Coach uh, spent some time at the the podium yesterday talking uh, as he always does during spring practice and really said that the team and and the coaching staff is focusing on two things right now during spring practice. And uh, I I think... he, he said that they're focusing on limiting penalties and uh, ramping up intensity and execution, just physicality. And I think those two areas are kind of music to Alabama fans' ears when you consider what went on in the Tennessee and Texas football games last seasons. But I ask you, Christian, as a former player, how do you work on penalties? I mean, it's, it's just as simple as not jumping off sides or not, not, not false starting or uh, not two men mm-hmm. going into motion. How do you – because he, he addressed, he said, most of our penalties – were pre-snap and post-snap penalties disciplinary penalties how do you work on that practically uh as as a college football team
4: that's a great question joe and i will say you're exactly right because uh those two points of emphasis I, i thought of the same thing tennessee and texas um well first off um if you're talking you know uh penalties right They do everything they can, um, starting with having the practice refs. As you all know, you know, we have practice refs at practice, right? And it's almost like simulating the game type um, environment. And he encourages those refs to call the penalties when you see them. Don't be nice. Don't be, you know, in, in some instances they can be, I guess. But if he wants to make that a point of emphasis, he's going to make sure they're calling it because if they're not calling it, and he sees a penalty that they did not call, I'm telling you right now, they're going to hear it from him. I've witnessed it. Um, being a practice ref out there is no easy feat. Um, I know several of those guys very well, and uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge. But that's one way to do it, to have the practice refs there. I'll give you an example, right? So you look at pass interference penalties. You know, he's a defensive guy, specifically a secondary guy. He's always watching the secondary. That's one of the main areas that he really likes to focus on in terms of working on penalties. I've seen him in practice. He'll specifically make uh, notes to the ref to say, "Hey, you know, look out for holding. Look out for you know early contact with these DBs. Any type of interference or or, or whatever could be a flag for these defenders uh, that are in coverage. He wants the refs to call it. So those type of things uh, in terms of you know, the interfe- uh, pass interference penalties or holding penalties on the defense. And then in terms of the, the the disciplinary penalties, right? I mean, that's a matter of if a guy jumps off sides, make him run a lap, you know, make him go do something. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 there's different ways to go about it, but it's really just you know, uh, basically punishing guys for those disciplinary penalties and and nothing you know extensive, right? But just your typical, hey, you know, you messed up, you got to run a lap or. Um, the whole defense has to, you know. Uh, I remember when I was playing outside linebacker, um, sometimes uh, Tosh Lupoy, who was our coach, he would, you know, hold everybody in the group accountable. So if I jumped off sides or Anthony jumped off sides, that was 10 pushups after, after practice for the entire group, right? So th- those are some of the things that you can do to kind of cut down on penalties. And speaking on intensity, I did go to practice yesterday, and that was one of the things that I made note of. Um, uh, my observations from being out there pads popping out there, (laughs) (laughs) man. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it wasn't just the pads being popped and stuff. It it was more so, really, man, just hearing guys get fired up when they made a a big play. Right? You know, guys really battling it out and and being competitive. You know, it it was it got a little chippy out there at times. So that that's you know a great sign to see that that shows that these guys care. They're competing at a high level, Um, but 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 don't don't be confused right i mean there, there's there's no place for you know people you know doing unnecessary things I, I I'm not saying that but you could just tell guys really were battling it out and competing and I think that's what he wants to see he wants to see that level of intensity raise he wants to see um, he he wants to see that that level of competitive competitiveness uh be you know a little bit higher than we've seen a little bit and I think we're seeing early signs of that so far uh during the spring and i I saw it yesterday and I'm, I'm sure he's seen it Through the however many practices they had and hopefully we get to see that come a day, uh, on the 22nd. So,
5: so, with the focus specifically on, on penalties, and, and we're in spring practice, and only like two two, two more weeks of spring practice, and then you're going to have a long layoff. You're going to have all summer, you know, and obviously the guys are, are summer workouts and seven on sevens and that sort of thing. But how much does this work that we're doing in spring? How much? How easy is it to carry it over into the, into the fall, or, or or when we reconvene in the fall? Is it going to have to be kind of reestablished? Take hey guys, remember in the spring we did we were really focused on cutting down the penalties this year. How much? is that
4: carry over from spring these these points of emphasis to the fall that's a great that's a great point joe so it will carry over um but you're exactly right you know guys go home um for a short break in may and they come back and then you're not really having you know football type activities other than some seven on sevens or you know you'll do some kind of football related you know uh type of workouts that kind of simulate what you might do at your position but you're not really playing true football until fall camp. So it's kind of a little bit of both, right? You'll see that there is a little bit of carryover, you know, guys are going to say, Hey, yeah, we emphasize this in the spring, you know, they'll pick it back up uh, a little bit quicker uh, than if they did not do any of that during the spring. But at the same time, there definitely is that short period of kind of getting back in the swing of it, kind of getting it back going. Cause I remember we would, you know, emphasize certain things in the spring then fall camp would come, and, and it come back around, and it, it, even though we had done it in the spring, it wasn't as if, you know, it just clicked right away. We almost kind of had to get it going again. They had to let it pick up slowly, but obviously again, it's faster um, that we at least had experience doing it. So that's that's a great point, um, Joe, that it, it definitely will carry over some, um, but it's, it's not just going to be like, you know, just, you know just flip a switch and it's right back on, because there's a lot of time in between now and fall camp, but the most important thing is really is, you know, spring is great, right, uh, you know, to, to learn. And I think that's what Chris was kind of saying. It's just getting guys up to speed. But fall camp is when it really matters because you're preparing to play a game at that point. Spring, you know, you still have some your, your time out from playing, right? But fall camp, I mean, and you're prepping, you know, you're getting guys up to speed initially for the first few practices. But after that, it's saying, hey, who are we going to have on our roster that's going to contribute to help us win uh, this first game and the games moving forward? And and, and that's really the difference between spring and fall camp is that fall camp, it's kind of crunch time, right? You know, it's, it's, it's ready. to You got to be ready to go. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's time to, you know, make things happen. Alright, all I right, got one more for you from Coach Saban's comments yesterday at the podium. He talked
5: about uh, he talked about HaHa Clinton Dix a little bit, or he was asked about HaHa Clinton Dix, and uh, he obviously is a, is working as a player development coach th- this uh, this season for the Crimson Tide, and I'm pumped to have him around the program, but Coach used the phrase, he's coaching everything but football. And so I mean, obviously everything is kind of the, the, supportive for the program, but what does that mean to coach everything but football? is, uh, is Ha working in the academic room or is he is he helping guys <laughs> with the homework what does that really mean, mean to the uh, to the to the noob like myself
4: well speaking of supportive i, I want to say uh big thanks to good feet and how supportive their arch supports are for me and my family my dad now is rocking his good feet arch supports to help ele- alleviate and eliminate that pain that foot pain knee pain and back pain that we all know so well especially from playing sports um, we use them for all circumstances. We heard him use them on the golf course. I use them when I'm working out, when I'm cutting my grass. Um, they really make a difference so fast. And it's try before you buy, so you've got nothing to lose. Uh, I'm telling you guys, if you haven't been and you're in Tuscaloosa, go over to Goodfeet over in Midtown Village. You won't be disappointed. If you like what you what you try on, you can walk out of the store that very same day. And if you're not in Tuscaloosa, head on over to goodfeet.com where you can schedule your own appointment. And uh, remember, guys, You've got nothing to lose. It's try before you buy. So just go give him a shot. That's good feet, improving the quality of people's lives, two feet at a time. And uh, and speaking on haha, Joe, um, you know he he's a great guy. I remember when I was still playing in college, he would come back and work out sometimes, and he would just drop you know bits of knowledge on us guys. He was always like an older brother to us. And then when I got into the league, I got to know him. He, you know he had to work out with Carolina. and I spent some time with him there and we grew closer and then we've spent even more time now that he's back in Tuscaloosa and he's a phenomenal guy i think his character is was so impressive about him he always is looking to help guys out and he's just like that that older brother to a lot of these guys and he can kind of give them knowledge and advice on you know how to carve their own path and, and what you know helped him when he was in their shoes and so i think it's you know um, invaluable to have a guy like him in the program just to help guys out and just be that that kind of role model for them and while they you know kind of Find their way, you know, because being a college athlete is not easy. So having a guy like him is uh, so impactful and so beneficial. But, Joe, man, thanks so much uh, for hopping on with me to finish this out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to all our sponsors Andrew Sports Medicine, RR Cigars, Good Feet, and all the many other sponsors. We'll see you guys tomorrow on Big Noon Sports. Roll Tide.